Welcome back to the Woolwich Worshippers podcast. It has been a good good minute since we've been on here, but it's great to be back after a brief hiatus for a multitude of reasons. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm great. Um, I'm home. Yesterday was my 18th birthday, so I'm officially an adult now. Happy birthday. Yes, it is. Um, it's cool. I got a, my dad gave me a signed Matt Turner jersey, which is cool because he'll be the Arsenal number two next year, hopefully. So, um, yeah, no, um, it's been, it's been all right. And Arsenal's been doing good. So, um, of course that helps my mood. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Definitely. I was just on, I was just on a break. Um, I was on spring break. I was in Florida for a little bit. Um, I was able to catch both, both, most of both Arsenal games. I missed some of the Leicester game because I was doing things, but I was able to watch all of the Liverpool game. Unfortunately, that was the game I was able to watch all of, even though we lost that game. But we we played decently well in the first half. Um, I think sometimes you just need to hold your hands up and say, fair enough, you're the better team, move on. It's It's no shame to lose into a team like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was in Arteta's post-match um, press conference when he just said that we are the better team, just not inside each of the two boxes, which I think summed up the game pretty well. I think in the mid, I think we won our midfield battle, which was actually um, something that I was surprised about. Um, but it was just the quality of our final passes and final finishing touches. Um, I think if Odegaard puts um, the chance away that he had, I think we would have won that game because right after that is when Liverpool scored their first goal. Um, I think, yeah, I just think it shows the quality difference and the difference between really great players and world-class players because when the moment really matters, Liverpool has a team full of world-class players. And that was the difference today, or a week ago now. <laughs> just, just a note about the Liverpool game. I think whenever we play Liverpool, we need to assume we're going in a goal down just because we know Diago Jota is going to score at some point. That man, that man annoys me so much when he plays against us. I think he's yeah. got like... I think he he averages like like over a goal a game against us. He mm-hmm. he scored a couple of braces. It's just it's it's ridiculous. He's like he's like the modern day Didier Drogba. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of their attackers are amazing. Um, I thought that in the first half we actually did a pretty good job of um, limiting them, and um, I noticed that our pressing was a little bit different um, in that Liverpool game. Um, We had a front three pressing instead of just um, Lacazette and Odegaard. So Saka would bump up to the, um, bump up to help um, um, Lacazette and Odegaard in that first initial press. And we had Martinelli drop off onto um, um, onto who was playing on that right-hand side, Jota or Luis Diaz, whoever it was. Um, I think it was Luis Diaz in the first half until Salah came on. Yeah, okay. And then on the right side, we had Saka push up 
into that front line. And Cedric um, was cautious, but he would actually come up and press Robertson. Um, and I think we did a really, really great job of limiting their passing opportunities. And I think once we had them up in their, in our attacking third defensively, um, we, we, um, we kept them up there pretty well. And I think they really only kicked it long. You, you mentioned Cedric in that. I think, I think Cedric's been in terrific form lately. I think surprisingly good form too. Like when Tommy Asu got injured, we were, that was a position we were worried about because we knew without someone like Tommy Asu last season, that was an area of weakness for us. But Cedric has been, he hasn't put a foot wrong really. And do you think when Tommy Asu is fit, do you think we still go with Cedric or do you think Tommy Asu goes right back in? I think we don't rush back Tamiyasu, but I think we put back Tamiyasu immediately. As soon as he's completely fit, um, I think we forget that Tamiyasu was consistently at the same level as Cedric, um, but playing a slightly different role, which I think fits our team a bit better. I think Cedric actually ends up going up a bit more than Tamiyasu because he can whip those crosses in like he can. And I think it forces Tierney to play a bit more defensive-minded. Um, and it's almost like the roles reverse where um, Cedric goes up more and Tierney holds back. And attacking-wise, I'd rather have Tierney attacking than Cedric attacking. Mm -hmm. So Tommy Asu coming back in helps Tierney um, flourish and uh, get into that more attacking, bombing forward Tierney that we love. Um, so I think that's the reason why I don't think it has anything to do with Cedric's performance. I just think that it has to do more with Tierney and actually less of the debate between Tomiyasu and Cedric. I think with Tierney in the last few games, he's, he's been quality as usual, but I think he looks kind of like he's playing with chains on him. Like he can't really like express himself fully because he has to hold back a little bit and be more defensive minded. So that being said, I think I agree with you. We try to get Tomiyasu back in the team. But like you said, don't rush him back, obviously. We don't want him getting injured again, especially when we don't necessarily need him back because Cedric's been in good form. What this does do, though, I think it, I think it gives Cedric another season at Arsenal. I think before this run of form, I wanted to get rid of him, but now I, now I trust him enough as a backup. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I think that I trust him enough as a backup and I trust him enough playing week in, week out. I mean, this isn't a, a Tommy Asu has had a week or two long injury where Tommy or where Cedric has had to come in a game or two. And he's, he's been in here for a run of games and we've played really good as a team for that same run of games. So um, I, 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 um, I have a strong, I don't know, I have an attachment to Cedric now and um, I think he fits in with the team well. And I think that's credit to Arteta because previously he did not. Um, and I think that it shows that he's working with everybody, not just that starting lineup that he's been so consistent on. Um, 
But the reality is we have to strengthen in other areas more importantly than right back. For a backup right back, we have, I would have four or five other positions that I would strengthen in before right back um, over the summer. I think how you touched on that we need to give credit to Arteta for Cedric playing well. I think it's not necessarily just a Cedric thing. Like he's come in and done well, um, but like players in the past who came in just for a run of games struggled because they hadn't played so much. So I think the mindset now is that they need to come in and make it like there's not an injury there. So we don't notice a player being out injured when in the past they've kind of used it as like, used the fact that they haven't played much as an excuse to be like, oh, it's okay if I if I don't pull up any trees because that's not expected of me. I think I think we saw when Nicolas Pepe came off the bench against Wolves scoring. Um and yeah, I think we've definitely said seen it with Cedric as well. I mean, yeah, I think that his decisions in the past that I can think of, I mean, obviously there's the Obamiang situation. And if you can cut your captain like that for not performing, of course, there's off the pitch, but other players like, um, I'd even go as far to say as Lakanga. Um, you saw a little dip in form and he hasn't really been back in the team, which is okay because he's a young guy. But I mean, it just shows the levels that if you play well, you're going to play. And if you don't, then you don't. And, and, Training matters because Arteta said that Pepe had been training very differently after AFCON. And then you immediately see him getting more game time and more game time. And I think other players can see that and say, oh, okay, well, I gotta I gotta be on my game all the time, 24-7. And if they're on their game all the time 24-7 in practice, then when they come into the games, it should be um, flawless. So, yeah, I think it's credit to the mentality of the team. I think we might have just seen a big change in Nicolas Pepe because I think, like, going into this season, like, we thought, okay, he hasn't been – he hasn't lived up to the price tag, but that's fine. He doesn't have to because he can still be a decent player for us and not worth $72 million. Um and there was, there was the thought that he had to play week in, week out to be at the level that we want. Um, because when he wasn't playing week in, week out, like when he just get one-off games and come into the team when there's an injury, he didn't really look at his best. And he always needed like four or five games where he isn't at his best to get up to that level. But now I think we've seen he came in and immediately made a difference. And I hope that's something we can keep seeing from him because if if we, because he can't expect to be the number one player in that position now because we've got Saka there. Mm -hmm. um, but he can come in and make a difference. And if he can keep doing that, then we can keep hold of him. But if he, if he still needs to have four or five games under his belt to be able to perform, then I think we need to look for somebody else. Yeah. Um, I think that he showed really great signs and. I think it's going to be very important these next couple games after the international break because he had a poor game versus Aston Villa and he had a couple great performances where he came on and he made a difference. Wolves being the outstanding one. 
when he comes in versus Aston Villa, and I wouldn't even say he just kind of was standard. I, I think he was actually bad. And then the free kick at the end of the game was um, him giving away um, a foul. And I don't, I don't put it down to lack of effort because I think he worked really hard. I just think that sometimes he wasn't composed enough. And I would love to see his reaction. And so in this next game, if he does end up getting a chance, I want to see how he responds to it. And I think that will give me a um, better view on whether Pepe is someone that I want in this team. I don't want to see him get a start just because, like, he, he of course it wasn't good enough against Aston Villa, but he also only got 20 minutes. Um, and we're going into a period where we have a lot of games and a lot of important games that we're going to need, we're going to need to rotate. Saka can't play every week, even though I wish he could, or, and especially not like when there's games back to back in three days. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that Pepe should be starting, period. I think if Saka can't play, then I think we should bring in Smith-Rowe and move Martinelli out to the right. Uh, I don't think that Pepe should start ever. I think, I think, there's, I think there's a point in there where we're going to need to rotate him into the starting lineup. Like, with, with so many games coming up and with Smith-Rowe, who's had injury problems recently, I think, I think it's a natural that Pepe will – be in the starting lineup at some point. And I think that's when we really make a judgment on him to say, do we do we want him long-term or do we just want to get rid of him now? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's a position where we can strengthen in because I think that wingers and players like that are very interchangeable. So you see lots of players like Martinelli can play right or left. Um, um, Bakayo could play right or left. Um, Odegaard um, is pretty much just an out and out 10, but he could probably play to the right. Um, Smith broke play at the 10 or to the left. And I think if we can get a player like that where they're very much interchangeable, um, I think that would be um, beneficial to us. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, time will tell. There's there's also the thought about playing him up, up front because um, he is he is a good finisher. Um, and his best season at Lil, he played as a striker in a two up front formation. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a thought about him playing as the lone front man, but I don't think his hold-up play would be good enough. I'd, I'd prefer Martinelli yeah. up front if, if we were to rotate at all. Yeah. Yeah. I just have such a hard time with Pepe because I don't like – this is my personal thing. I, I don't like players with flair who don't have any substance. And I think sometimes I find that with Pepe. I, I mean – like I've never been that big of like a Neymar fan because I think a lot of times his skill moves are unnecessary. I love Neymar, but I've I have had a hard time with him um, and the hype that he gets because of those skill moves. I just think that it's unnecessary. You just need to drop the shoulder and go, kind of like how Martinelli, Bakayo, 
do it. Um, and so I just, I don't know if he's, uh, he's super talented, but sometimes talent, talent doesn't, talent isn't everything. You gotta be smart about it and you gotta be direct about it. Um, so I don't know. Um, he's, he's one of those players we could really regret letting go because he could easily go to another team and just, just tear up whatever league he's in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, honestly, I think that regretting selling players isn't really like some, some, some people are saying that we should have kept Aubameyang because he's doing so great and uh, with Barcelona now. But I think that if the player doesn't work for your team, it doesn't mean that he's a bad player or that he's not good enough. I just think that it means that he doesn't work in the system that you're playing. Because um, at the end of the day, they're professional footballers and they come to Arsenal because they're top tier, maybe not world-class, but top tier. And so I believe every single player at Arsenal, if it doesn't work out, they could leave and do amazing things, but it doesn't mean that it was a mistake to sell them. And so Aubameyang is a prime example. He didn't fit the system at all. And he moved to Barcelona and he's tearing it up now. And I'm so happy for him. And it was beneficial to both teams. And I think that's a trade or a, not a trade, a whatever you call it, transfer that that was beneficial to all parties. And I think that's one that I liked. I think, I think it's kind of ridiculous to me how there's some fans saying that we should have kept a burying at this point. Because like, I don't see how you can look at how his past 18 months went and think that we should have still kept hold of him. Like, I'm happy for him that he's doing well at Barcelona, but if you think that he would have continued, he would have just switched this form up at Arsenal and been playing like he is at Barcelona, I think that's just utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you want to move on to um... – the Aston Villa Aston, game. Aston Villa game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the first half was in exceptional. I think that the second half was also exceptional, just in a different way. Um, I thought that on the ball we were actually pretty shitty and um, sloppy, and um, I think the ball, off ball movement wasn't very good. Um, but I thought that defensively our shape was amazing. I think they only had one shot on target, which was in added time. Um, they had a couple deflected opportunities and stuff like that, which is concerning, but I think it's Aston Villa, a top, I wouldn't say top, but Premier League team that's on the rise right now. And I think we did a great job of, um, defensively, at least, um, holding our box. And I think that's what I would like to see because previous, um, in the game just before Arteta was talking about how we have to be better inside each box. And I think we were amazing inside of our defensive box and in our attacking box, I think that we were all right. Um, and I think that just comes down to the quality, um, of player we have. Um, 
even though I love them, it's it's the difference between top class and world class. I think one thing we did really well is we stopped Aston Villa's danger man. Um, Philip Coutinho was anonymous against us. I, I could, you could be forgiven for not realizing that he was on the pitch. Um, and without him, there wasn't really a threat for Villa going forward. Um, but I think in the final third, like you, like you touched on, I would have liked to have seen us be a bit more cutthroat because I think in that second half, if we were playing any top six team, I think they would have gotten the better of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's 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 just it's just another three points on the board, which is the most important point at this at this season. Yeah. Um, I thought that some standout players. Um, actually, since we've last talked, I think the biggest standout player has probably been Martin Odegaard. I guess we haven't talked about him very much because we um, took that little pause. But he was exceptional in the first half. Um, I thought that our pressing was really, really great in the first half. Whenever Emmy Martinez got the ball, we set it up perfectly and they ended up making one or two passes and then just kicking it long. Like they were trying to play out of the back, but then they just got stuck. And a bit like how Arsenal was first under Arteta, where everything was super risky and it looked like none of them were confident. Um, So I think that was a great sign. I think Odegaard's been amazing. I think Saka was amazing. Um, I think that players like Smith Rowe have not gotten a run in the game. And so I think a couple of those chances that he had early in in the half, I think he has to finish. The one on top of the box that Odegaard laid off to him and the one where Saka crossed it in, he almost like he got in Lacazette's way. I think we have to finish those chances against top size because we'll get punished otherwise. And that's what happened against Liverpool. Um, and we're just lucky that we were defensively resilient. I think I think a fully fit and informed Smith Rowe finishes all, maybe not all of those chances, but I think he gets on the score sheet against Aston Villa. So I'm not necessarily worried about Emil Smith-Rowe at the moment. Um, I think on the ball, he was very good, as he always is, uh, good at taking players on, of course. And you talked about Martin Odegaard. He's been fantastic. I think he's, he's quietly becoming one of the best players in his position in the Premier League. He's, he's been excellent. And the biggest compliment I can give him is that Coming out of the Villa game, or at least the first half, I wasn't necessarily like talking about the Mars and Odegaard performance because I think I've become so accustomed to it that it's just it's just normal at this point. Mm. I think he was I think he was superb against Leicester, from what I saw. And Watford he's just well. yeah, Watford. He was he was fantastic as well, and he's he's like he's like a leader on the pitch too. I guess. I could possibly see him becoming Arsenal captain in the future. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's down to Tierney and Odegaard for next captain, mm-hmm. for next captaincy. Um, I think it will be Tierney just because he's been getting the arm band when Lacazette's come off. 
but the the quality that Odegaard shows and not just the quality, I think he's a player that others look to when they're in tight spaces and they can't get out. They play it to Martin and he does some little flick shoulder drop or whatever and gets out of the space very well. I thought that our ability to play quick one touches, one touch passes and get out of the pockets of um, dense areas against Aston Villa were really good, especially in transition. Um, I thought Thomas Partey was amazing and he's another one that we have to touch on because he's looking more and more like a world-class player. And I think that he's actually been better than Odegaard and has not gotten the the same praise. And I, I had been critical of him in the past. And, uh, and th- th- that's why, because I, I know he's good enough to play like how he has been week in, week out. And if he can add maybe a goal or something to his game, a long shot, dare I say, um, that would be exceptional. I think I've seen a lot of rival fans at this point saying that they're seeing how good Thomas Partey is. I think we've we've said it for a while that like he wasn't at his best, but we still like know that there's a player in there. I think a lot of rival fans are are seeing it now that he is a fantastic player and he's he's playing very well at the minute. And I don't want to bring this team into it, but I think it's ridiculous that that Hoybjerg was getting put next to him. I think there's a, I think there's a, a different level, a difference in level there. Yeah. Another thing on I don't like comparing players all the time, but this one is a natural one to make. Martin Odegaard was terrific against Austin Villa, and the fact that the other player we were considering signing instead of Martin Odegaard was on the Villa pitch and did nothing. Buendia, mm-hmm. he's he's done nothing all season. I think we we dodged a bullet with that one. Yeah. Well, and that's where I hold my hands up and and say I wanted Buendia. Um and I was wrong. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with our decision. And um, I think that's one where you can trust, where you can look at it and you can start to say, all right, I'm not the king of the world. I don't know everything about football. I think that I should trust people who make their entire living off of making these types of decisions. And I think that's trust that I haven't had before, um, which is why it's kind of a big deal that it's happening now. Um, yeah, and and there was reports saying that Buendia wasn't top of our list and wasn't, and there was a ton of conflicting reports. And I think I can can see that there wasn't Aston Villa didn't outbid us or anything. They're not a bigger club than Arsenal. It was, we didn't want him that much. And we would have picked him up for a quick 15 million, but nothing serious, you know, because we're mm-hmm. a big club. I think that being said, I think if it was like at the time we weren't at the same, like we weren't as attractive as a team as we were now. So I think if like we had come in for Buendia like five years ago, I think we might have, 
might have signed him because there's the fact that if it was a t- if it was a top team that came in or Aston Villa, I think Buendia would have tried to force a move a bit more. But um, yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't matter because it's in the past now, and I'm I'm happy that we we didn't sign Buendia because we've got a player who's levels above him. Yeah, levels. I mean, yeah. Um, all right, so. I think we can move on to top four. Top four, yeah. I think we, we've discussed this before. I think our biggest threat still is Spurs. And I think it's a bit more clear now. Um, for me, I think West Ham are out of the top four battle. I can't, see, I can't see them finishing above us. I think it's a stretch to even say they would finish above Manchester United. Um, moving on to Manchester United, I think they're just, they're just far too inconsistent. Just yeah. Simple yeah. as that, really. But they do, they do have Cristiano Ronaldo. That's the, that's the one thing that worries me because even if he doesn't score week in week out, he can turn up to the Emirates and have us drop points. Yeah. And Spurs, that's the one that worries me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a bit of the same. I think it's Spurs that worries me, but it's also just as much the strength of our schedule and the lack of strength in other other teams around us schedule. Um, I was looking at it before. I think Tottenham has Liverpool, which they'll probably lose. But other than that, they have all games where as a Tottenham fan, you would want them to win and expect them to win. Um, besides against Arsenal, of course, um, which is also going to be a loss. Um, um, I think that we have a run of three really, really hard games. Um, we have Chelsea, then Manchester United three days later, and then West Ham. So those three games, if if we can get out of, I mean, winning them all would be amazing, but with even like seven points, I think that would be amazing. Six points would be fine. Anything less than that, I think, would really, really put a dent in our season. Um, And that's what I'm most worried for, not Tottenham um, and not Manchester United, more the games that we have to play and if we're going to get our job done. I think think the Chelsea game, the Chelsea game, it was worrying me, but like literally in like the past like 15 minutes, I've had another thought. It's that they don't really have that much to play for. Um, we'll We'll be up for it way more than they will but it's at Stamford Bridge it's always going to be a tough game and it's still it's still a rivalry whether whether Chelsea has something to play for or not but then moving on to the Manchester United game Manchester United at the Emirates we have a very good record against them there recently that's a game I would hope I would expect us to win um but that being said they do have players that can hurt any team um and you just don't know what Manchester United is going to turn up. Mm-hmm. And another thing with Manchester United is no matter how poor they're playing, they'll always turn up against Arsenal. Yeah. It's, it's annoying. Then I mean, th- against, against the big teams, um, United has actually been pretty decent this year. And I think they've competed with all um, big clubs. I think it's why Manchester United doesn't worry me 
is because they're inconsistency against the smaller clubs that will sit back against them. Um, and so that, um, so that's why Manchester United doesn't worry me in terms of them um, taking our spot, but I think it's still a game that we could lose. Um, but I expect us to win because um, that's what a top four club does. Um, we have to, I mean, we've had a horrible record against the big six this season. I think we've only won versus Spurs Tottenham, and that's it. Um, which of any game to win, I'd choose that one. But um, I mean, in the recent games, we've shown more fight and like played better, but like nobody cares about that. At the end of the day, it's about the three points. Um, like like last last season when we beat Chelsea, um, and it was Jorginho had that shocker where he uh, passed it back, and I think it was Smith Rowe tapped it in and like whiffed it or something. Um, but like games like that, like we remember that about the three points, not the fact that Chelsea had the entirety of the ball, entirety of the dominance, mm -hmm. and we sat back and did nothing. Um, <laughs> um, but we still look back on that more fondly than let's say the city game where we lost, but we played brilliantly. I'd rather take that Chelsea result. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, yeah, so it's um, it's worrying and it's stressful, but it, it's gonna make make for a great end of the season. Then we've got the we've got the West Ham game after Manchester United. That's the one I'd be, I'd be more confident about. I think West Ham's priorities will be elsewhere because I think they've realized they're not gonna get Champions League football through the league, so they're gonna try for the Europa League. Um, yeah. And just as a club like West Ham, it's it's not often they're in a European competition. They should try to go as far as they can, and I think they will. Yeah, yeah, then, um, yeah. That's one that worries me less. I think that's um, that's a game where I think they might even rest players, depending on when when they get when the Europa League games are and how far they go. I mean, that's one where they might say, "All right, Declan, Declan, you 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 need your rest. I don't want to." You know, and 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 I think that West Ham has a few key players where if they rest, I think they're a pretty mid-table team. Um, and so if that's the case, then I think I'd feel comfortable in getting a three points versus them. Um, but it's the Premier League; every game is hard, and so it's a. Uh, and we uh, we don't know we don't know when the North London Derby is, but. Can you imagine if that was put like after the last day of the season and it was just us and whoever won would get into the top four? Oh, so, don't even, I don't think I don't think my heart could take that. Don't even, don't even, don't even. <laughs> but don't. if we if we get if we get top four this season, then over Spurs, that'll be that'll be a good feeling. It's, it's been a while, and then I'll get to be absolutely unbearable to to our mate James, who's been on this podcast before. Yeah, that will be exceptional. It'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, um, I think that uh, top four. Um, I think we can talk about it being. Oh my bad. Um, I think we can talk about it being 
hard to get to, but I think we should also focus on what happens if we get top four and what doors that opens and what doors it closes if we don't get top four. Um, I think that the obvious ones are transfer business, um, what that opens up for us and the positives and negatives of that. And, um, and I think that if we do get top four, our transfer business and our strategy should change a little bit. I think that if we are in Europa League, I think we can get away with picking up a few more top players, but maybe a bit less. But if we do go into the Champions League, I think either we have to get we have to get more top players, which I think either we have to extend our budget, which hopefully they would, because the money that you get from being in the Champions League is a lot. But I think it's more about the strength in depth in the Champions League. Um, and being able to balance that with the Premier League is important because, I mean, I can't picture going into Premier League games week in, week out with El Nani if we're mm-hmm. resting Partey for Champions League games, you know, and we need, we need something there. So if we do get Champions League, I'd love, to, I'd love, to, I'd love to, to see two mid- midfielders come in in the window, us two strikers. Um, I'd love to bring Saliba back into the back line. I'd love to see um, a winger come in and that's five, six players already. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot. So um, we we um, it's exciting, but if we don't handle it well, we could easily see ourselves falling back down quickly to eighth and having more seasons like this again, um, where we do fall. And I don't think we should get over our heads thinking that if we make Champions League, then we're gonna keep qualifying week in week or every single year like how we used to under Wenger. It's, it's, um, it's a more competitive Premier League this time. Um, this, this, um, and, and it's also, it's, it's, it's a different type of uh, pressure that, that we have considering our history and um, the fan base and the size of our fan base. And so I'd love to hear your opinions on that. I'm sorry, I was just talking. I think, I think, a lot of the things you say about needing a, a thicker squad for the Champions League can be said about the Europa League as well, because whether we get top four or not, we will be in European football next season. Um, and we'll, we'll have Thursday games if we're in the Europa League or in the Conference League, hopefully not. Um, and also with the Thursday games in the Europa League, we have a better chance of having to get somebody who plays in like like Azerbaijan or somewhere like that. And in the Champions League, we'll be going to places like, like Italy, Spain, maybe, maybe, maybe of one more Eastern. But we have a less likelihood of going like thousands of miles for a game. Yeah. But but my um, I don't think that the distance is as big of a problem. I think it's more um. I think we could, especially in the beginning rounds, I think we could play a Lakanga in a Europa League game. Mm-hmm. I think we could play um, uh, a Pepe, uh, sorry, um, a Pepe, uh, um, an Eddie, but hopefully Eddie's gone. 
Um, <laughs> um, players, players of that caliber, I could see playing early on in the group stage of a Europa League game where I couldn't see that in the Champions mm-hmm. League. And I think the depth is important, but the strength and depth is um, more important in the Champions League. Um, and I think that'll affect our transfer business in the summer. Um, so yeah, um, it's, it's, a. who knows the, the league could change like that and we have no idea. And so I'm not going to say that we're going to get in the Champions League because let's be real. A lot of Arsenal fans are getting carried away. And I, I know what, what, what football is and, and you can never, ever, 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 ever count your chickens until it's mathematically probable. You know, and, and it's it's not. It's it's um. We have a four point cushion on Manchester United, a three point cushion on Tottenham, and games in hand mean, mean nothing. And we have a harder schedule, so actually, it's it's really pretty neck and neck. Um, I mean, of course, I back Arsenal because they're my team, but it's hard. I think with Spurs, another worry about them is that. They've like they've hit a, a, form, a run of form. Like they're winning, they're actually like winning games consistently now. When like a month or so ago, they would win then lose, win then lose. They're very inconsistent, kind of like Manchester United, which mm. I think gave us a lot of confidence. And I think there's some Arsenal fans who are still thinking that's how Spurs are playing, but that's that's not true at all. Not at all. And and the thing with Conte is. In the beginning, when he came in, he brought that defensive solidity, but that attacking threat wasn't there. But now Kane is firing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Kane is firing like nobody's business. He's people are forgetting how how good Kane is. As, as an Arsenal fan, I know. As soon as you write off Kane, he'll show you, and he's one of Premier League's all-time greatest strikers. Um, and I'm saying that as an Arsenal fan, um, he's exceptional and with the defensive solidity that Tottenham are starting to build and I have to say that Romero has been excellent I've been watching some Tottenham games and I think Romero's been great I think that Dyer is Dyer so he 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 works really hard and he plays his system correctly but he won't do anything special um I think that Doherty or Doherty or however you say his name, I think he's come in and bumped off Emerson quite and, and, and done quite a good job. Um, it seems like everything's clicking at Tottenham and their fans are trying to keep it quiet because they don't want to um, get too excited and let themselves down. But as a, as a Tottenham fan, I would be, I would be um, silently optimistic I think for us to get top four, I think if we win all our games but lose to Chelsea and draw against Spurs, I think that I think that would get us top four, and I think that's that's plausible for us to do. Even if we like, even if we slipped up another one in there where we get a draw when we should have. Like if we drew against Manchester United, I think winning our remaining our remaining seven, yeah. then drawing two. That'll get us 23 more points, which will put us on 77 points. I think that's, I think that's enough. Yeah. 
I think 75 is the one where if you get 75 points in the season, then you're a top four contender. And unless the league's really strong, you'll probably get top four. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I, I think I think that we'll do it. But I just – Conte's an amazing manager, and that's what scares me the most. And I don't know if – I've always been Arteta in. I always have been. And I just – now that everybody's praising him, I'm becoming more nervous, which seems kind of backwards because I don't know how he's going to handle that type of, uh, I don't know, feeling and pressure as a young manager. I mean, Conte's been here before, not in a top four race, in a title race, um, which is even more pressure. And so if anyone knows how to get the best out of their players when the pressure's on, it's Conte. And I hope that Arteta's learned from Pep about how to do the same thing because he was in that tight race with Liverpool as an assistant. Um, But I I just, it makes me nervous. It makes me really nervous because I think that's also a good sign though because I've, put my faith in the team and I have an emotional connection to the team now, um, which is something that um, I'm glad is back. Moving on from that, I've got, I've got a bit of good news. I don't know if you have, you, you might've seen this, you might, might not have, but there has been, there has been an entire retirement announced as of today. Uh, do you know, do you know who it is? Mike Dean. It is Mike Dean. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That, that that put a smile on my face. Unfortunately, yeah. he's still going to be in VAR, so we're probably yeah. going to have a, a lot of VAR checks against us. But he's he's almost gone. He's got one foot out of the door completely. Yeah, I mean, Mike Dean can do his thing, but I'll never like him. I've, I'm going to have to have a little bit of a moan about this because I, I am not a big Mike Dean fan. First of all. Good, good riddance to that man. Um, I hope I hope you have a great rest of your life, but never never come out of retirement, please. Especially if you're choosing to referee Arsenal game. This dude tries to make himself the star of every game. Like he he'll make he'll make big decisions for the sake of it, so that his name will be mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think every ref is like that. To be honest, I think that. The Premier League in general just has horrible refs, and Mike Dean just has a little bit of extra, I don't want to say flamboyancy about him, a little bit of pizzazz and um, showmanship, um, which doesn't doesn't make it feel any better, but the decisions are just as bad as any other ref, and I don't think that – I think that – as Arsenal fans, I think we have to be level-headed and understand that there really is no bias. And it may seem like there is because from an Arsenal perspective, it seems like everything goes against you, but other clubs have the same things. And mm-hmm. it's just bad refereeing. Some people some people are, are saying they want Anthony Taylor to retire next. We're, no. we're Arsenal fans, so we, we don't want that to happen. We, we, we like Anthony Taylor. He gives us bad decisions in our favor against Chelsea. What? Which one was that? The red card. That was card? the the, F, the FA Cup final. 
Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, so I think um, I want to share that I'm going to be for spring break. I'm going to London. I'm going to watch the Crystal Palace game um, live. Um, I'll be away from home in the Arsenal section. Um, and I will be watching Brighton at home and hopefully I'll be able to get into like the VIP section or whatever after the game, which is where a lot of the players, um, go. My dad has some like connection through work or something. So he's going to try to get us up in there. Um, so hopefully I'll meet the players. I'll ask them to shout out the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> give, uh, give, give me a call too so where I can talk to them. Yeah, we could get a little exclusive interview going. <laughs> <laughs> just be, uh, just be like, like just casually, like say, "Oh, welcome, welcome to the podcast. We're going live right now. Give, <laughs> give us a shout out." Welcome to the World of Witch Worshippers podcast. <laughs> this is Bikas Zaka. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm super excited for that. Um, I'm going with my brother, my dad. And uh, my longtime, my longtime friend Sam, um, who is a Manchester United fan, so good riddance. Yeah. Not not sure how he's gonna feel about about meeting Saka and Smith Rowe and all of them, especially especially if we go and get top four ahead of them. He told me he was gonna cuss them out, but I told him <laughs> not do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm um super excited and um. I'm glad that we could uh, reconnect on the pod, Paul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I am absurdly jealous of the fact that you're gonna hopefully meet some of those Arsenal players. And like when you when you first told me about it, it was like, even as like me who's like not doing it, I kind of got like like starstruck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm worried this, that I'm worried that I'm gonna be there, and if I do end up seeing anybody, I mean. Who knows? I mean, I just have to hope that I get lucky and all that stuff. I think I'm psyching myself up for this, but the odds of me actually meeting someone aren't that high. Uh Um, But if I do, I'm worried that I'm just going to be there like, uh, uh, (laughs) Um, because I mean, these dudes are my idols. So Mm -hmm. uh, have you you met any players before? Yeah. After so long of hating all the Arsenal players, um, (laughs) (laughs) it makes it even even more special when i when i went to when i went to london to watch arsenal play i was watch i was watching mustafi score the equalizer against man city (laughs) i could i could go away with that five-year period yeah me me too but i also i also got to watch alexis sanchez and mezzadores in their prime so (laughs) and and it was and i was at the emirates not not too bad of a week, even if I did have to to put up with Mustafi and yeah, and Hector Bellerin and all of them. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so right. thank you, thank you for coming on. We'll be we'll be more consistent with our uploads from now on because we've got a lot of busy stuff that was out of the way. So yep. thank you everyone for coming on, and just tune in next time. Peace. Yeah. Peace out.